Welcome aboard the Fourth Watch, which is a series of podcasts sponsored by the good people at Fair Mormon, of which I, your host, Ned Skarsbrick, am a volunteer. And as always, my views and opinions are my own and may not reflect those of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or that of Fair Mormon. However, they have been proven to be correct on occasion. So with that said, let's uh, move on to today's topic. I think uh, last time we talked about depression, and in this short series, now I'm going to talk about uh, anxiety and PTSD. Oh, sounds great, Brother Ned. What's next? Obsessive-compulsive disorder and uh, addiction recovery? As a matter of fact, yes, that is the next one. Now, what in the world does all this mental stuff have to do with the gospel and apologetics? That's a good question. A lot of this stuff has a real-world connection to a condition called cognitive dissonance, which is a fancy term for uh, life getting turned around with opposite views on a subject, an issue, or values. Now, here's a definition by the pros. Cognitive dissonance refers to a situation involving conflicting attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors. This produces a feeling of discomfort, leading to an alteration in one of the attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors to reduce the discomfort and restore balance. Uh, Festinger's 1957 Cognitive Dissonance Theory suggests that we have an inner drive to hold all our attitudes and beliefs in harmony and avoid disharmony, or dissonance. In his book, A Theory of Cognitive Dissonance, Festinger explains cognitive dissonance can be seen as an antecedent condition, which leads to activity oriented towards dissonance reduction. That's it, that's it. Enough of the uh, technical explanation. Let's deal with the real here. As you may know, I'm not particularly fond of $3 words. So how does this relate to the gospel and anxiety and PTSD and depression and OCD? Uh, what's, uh, what's OCD? It's a TLA. You know, a three-letter acronym for obsessive compulsive disorder. Kind of like uh, USB or URL. More TLAs. Yep. Uh, you might know that uh, USB stands for Universal Serial Bus, and uh, URL means uh, Uniform Resource Locator. So what's a Universal Serial Bus? I don't know. It's something you plug into your computer uh, to make a device work like a printer, a thumb drive, and Skype connections for audio and video. So how does this work? I don't know, but others do. If you're interested... Uh, go ahead and do a Google search. These podcasts are not about this technical stuff. Well, then, why did you mention it? Well, sometimes we use uh, keywords or abbreviations to represent all kinds of things in life. You got the OCD? Well, I've got, uh, I got NED, which is NED, which happens to be my name. And it's not an acronym for Neurotic Erratic Disorder. <laughs> so, can we get back to the subject here? Here is the Brother Ned definition of cognitive dissonance, or as I like to call it, CD. Just kind of like your old CDs, but somehow the old songs start playing a different tune, or perhaps they don't sound the same. Let's take a gospel principle, for example, like uh, Revelation. 
You know, we've all seen pictures of Joseph Smith translating the gold plates. He is looking at the plates, and there is this curtain between him and the scribe, and the scribe is writing down what Joseph Smith tells him. Most of us have seen this picture or something like it. It becomes CD, or cognitive dissonance, when we learn that Joseph Smith had a special rock that he placed in a hat and then put his face in the hat to block out most of the outside light so we could see the words appear on the stone or the rock, and as some have called it, the seer stone. He didn't need to have the plates at all for the uh, translation. Well, this doesn't make sense. Who receives the word of God by looking at a rock? For those of you who have not heard this account, I would uh, suspect that you feel a little anxious. I know that I felt anxious when I heard about it. Come to think of it, I didn't believe it. When I studied it out and found that it was true, I was shocked. I went to my elder scorn president, and he said uh, he didn't know anything about it, and I just shouldn't read anti-Mormon literature. And I was afraid to talk to the bishop. What if he was part of this uh, cancerous conspiracy? Magic stones? That's it. I'm out of here. I could have gone that way, but I didn't. I was determined to get to the bottom of this story. Seems like the Lord does all kinds of what we might consider mm, colorful ways of teaching his people. Talking through a burning bush to Moses? Hmm. In the book of Numbers, the Lord evidently talked to Balaam through a donkey. So why not a stone? The breastplate used by the high priest in the Old Testament had twelve stones that represented the twelve tribes of Israel, which might have been called the Urim and Thummim. The scriptures don't actually explain what constituted the Urim and Thummim. They could have been two separate pieces of, uh, we don't know. They were used sometimes in a uh, yes or no kind of way to answer a question. This podcast is not designed to explain these things. You can explore these uh, lights and perfections on your own time. The point is, the Lord has in the past, and evidently did communicate with his children by using unusual methods, at least to our level of understanding in this modern age. After reviewing this and other information, I concluded that the Lord can do whatever he wants. We don't like it when our comfort level gets disturbed. This is what we learn, so it must be true, and therefore our understanding cannot change because that would mean we were lied to. That's what we say to ourselves, right? It's not so. Perhaps learning, I mean real learning, develops over time. Can our understanding change as we grow? Eh, possible. Remember when you were 10 years old? Has your level of understanding increased now that you were more mature? We were not lied to by our previous knowledge. We just need to let our level of learning grow. Does that make sense? Now, let's get back to anxiety. What if we're going along living our life just like yesterday and probably like tomorrow will be and and then all of a sudden you start getting anxious. I mean real anxious. You know the kind I'm talking about. The rattlesnake next to your head. Anxious. Tail rattling. Head cocked, ready to strike. 
but there's no rattlesnake. This anxious fear just starts to overtake you. Where did it come from? This doesn't make sense. What's the deal here? What does this have to do with a gospel? I'm getting to that. You just be patient here. Such anxiety can appear out of nowhere without warning because anxiety or fear is a natural reaction to a perceived threat. There is no threat. Not consciously, perhaps. Our heart starts racing. Breathing becomes shallow and rapid. Muscles get tense. We become hyper-alert. What's going on? This non-existent threat is overtaking us. Our bodies don't do this by accident. Something we smelled can trigger such an attack. Something we thought about in a passing moment. A sound, a muscle twitch, a flash out of the past, a side-view shot of something we thought we saw. There are hundreds of these perceived threats that can throw us into an anxiety tailspin. Threat perception and the anxiety response is one of our body's protection methods. Now, this is not the type of anxiety that it talks about in the scriptures. In Philippians 4.6, we read, Be careful for nothing. What? Well, what it really means is don't be anxious for nothing. Then why does it say careful? It's just an old English translation thing. There are legitimate things to be anxious about. Don't use the legalistic, literal interpretation here. It's about trusting in the Lord. He knows what you need, and he doesn't want you to go about wringing your hands in constant stress and worrying about every little thing. That's the kind of anxiety Paul is talking about in this verse. All right? Okay. Now back to the seemingly unrealistic, serious anxiety. Let's see what Elder Holland has to say about it. If you had appendicitis, God would expect you to seek a priesthood blessing and get the best medical care available. So, too, with emotional disorders. Our Father in Heaven expects us to use all the marvelous gifts He has provided in this glorious dispensation. These periods of anxiety will one day end. One day all perceived threats, whether real or suspected, will be gone. Anxiety attacks can cause great pain and suffering. One such cause of these attacks is post-traumatic stress, death of a loved one, physical or emotional abuse, combat experience. As most of us know, the list is extensive. We don't talk much about these things in church. We tend to focus on feeling and doing well, being of good cheer. We should be the happiest people on the earth. You know the drill. And we should be about doing good and being cheerful. But there are events in some of our lives that cause trauma. Some deal with trauma rather well, while most of us struggle with it to varying degrees. The stress of traumatic events can cause bouts of depression, anxiety, social withdrawal, or anger. Seek professional help, as Brother Holland suggests. There is help available. We take reasonable care of our cars. Why not our minds, our hearts, and bodies? I don't think we would see a Band-Aid as an appropriate medical treatment for a broken arm or leg. This level of anxiety trauma 
can be successfully treated from multiple disciplines. What may work for me may not work for you. You you don't have to live in constant fear of depression from traumatic events in your life. One such treatment is called cognitive behavioral therapy or cognitive processing therapy. Very effective for a lot of people. Another is an FLA or a uh, four-letter acronym, EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Medications are also available. Now, I'm not going to go into these treatments. It's not my business to describe anything to anybody for anything. That's what professionals are for. The main reason I'm talking about these things is because many people who suffer these afflictions think it's their fault, and therefore they should just suffer. It's not your fault. These things are not flaws in your character. For those who look down on others who have these issues, please reconsider your judgment. Nobody wants to suffer depression, anxiety, or what is sometimes called a panic attack. There are events that happen in life that we just can't control. Car crashes, such as being hit by a drunk driver who kills your wife and three of your four children. Nobody gets over something like that. I could make a list of tragedies that would put all of us into the hospital. Not going to do that, of course. Uh, That would uh, be a little on the uh, non-productive side. But the point is that trauma happens. It can cause all of the maladies I've talked about, even this cognitive dissonance thing. If God is love, then how does this, fill in the blank, show God's love? I'm a covenant member of the church. This isn't right. The book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, by Harold S. Kushner, should be a staple in the homes of those who have had terrible things happen in their lives. He has written several other books about this subject, and I've uh, provided a link in the show notes of this podcast where you can purchase his books. If you haven't read these yet, please give it serious consideration. His books can be a viable tool in dealing with, or at least a start to understanding how all this works. Like I said before, the church doesn't talk about these things in our meetings. The church doesn't talk about Ebola, malaria, or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma either. These are life issues we are expected to deal with as part of life, just like tooth decay and eye problems. Get a blessing and receive professional treatment, just like Elder Holland has counseled us to do. Don't ignore it. Anxiety issues and PTSD will just get worse. They will not go away. Remember back in the uh, 1980s, Don Henley did a protest song called All She Wants to Do is Dance. Well, he he could have used they instead of she. Uh, Then again, he probably wasn't concerned about being politically correct or gender issues in this song. It was about those who choose to ignore what's going on around them.
Can you imagine living in such a place? Wild-eyed pistol wavers who aren't afraid to die. Molotov cocktails, the local brew. Semi-interesting story behind Molotov cocktails. You probably know that this is a common cultural term for a hand-thrown firebomb made from a wine-type bottle filled with gasoline and a rag is stuffed down the neck and then lighted and thrown at the target. This term was first established in Finland in 1939. The Russians wanted a uh, more secure border, among uh, other things. Leningrad is only 30 miles from the Finnish border. So Russia started a, uh, a bombing campaign. The Finns protested. The Russians replied that, uh, what, what you talk about here? This is misunderstanding. We are helping our good neighbor Finland by supplying them with the humanitarian food drops. Well, the, uh, the, the breadbasket food drops proved to be cluster bombs, and uh, the Finns offered the Russian foreign minister Molotov a drink to go along with uh, his food drops. The term Molotov cocktail was coined and has endured long after Molotov's feigned explanation. I would venture to say that most of us don't live in situations where a Molotov cocktail is the local brew. Thank God for that one. What about those who do? Would it be reasonable to expect anxiety and PTSD? So do we just ignore those uh, like they do in Don Henley's song? What about those who have suffered equivalent levels of stress, pain, and danger? As Christians, we have received a commission from the Savior to learn the healer's art. A good starting point could be called uh, situational awareness. We need to pay attention to what's going on around us. But I'm too poor to pay attention. <laughs> now, part of learning the healer's art is to extend our vision beyond our own self-interest. With just a little practice, you'd be surprised at how much our vision can take in. Another part of the healer's art is offering genuine concern for those who are suffering. A sincere, kind word can open a shielded mind and a broken heart to start the healing process. Some anxiety and PTSD issues require a lifetime to completely heal, and some may not be fully healed until the next life. But we don't stop helping because the recovery process takes longer than applying a Band-Aid. Many things in life just don't get cured with a soundbite answer and two aspirin. Just hang in there. Never give up on learning the healer's art. So, back to how this applies to defending the gospel. Well, we don't teach piano in our church classes. We also don't talk about microbiology. I can't remember ever listening to a sermon on diabetes or melanoma. In like manner, anxiety and PTSD are part of life, but not part of the gospel, which is the good news of salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. However, these issues can intersect with our ability to comprehend the gospel. If you were in a diabetic coma, how would that affect your ability to respond to the gospel message? I know, it's a dumb question. But anxiety and PTSD can have a similar effect on our comprehension and understanding. So as a reminder, 
when we hear Don Henley's song, All She Wants to Do Is Dance, let's look around and see if we see someone who needs help. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Sounds like the waves of life are calling us to go forth with a steadfast focus on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to carry out His will. Officer of the Watch, post the Navy hymn, sung by Sandra Schmidt, Bonnie Skarsbrick, Steve Hatch, and David Reese. Eternal Father, strong to save.